Welcome to Lucky Boys Podcast. I'm Will. I'm Norm. We have a special guest, Kenny Lamb. What is going on? Glad you guys decided to invite me, um, put me on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, a little information about me. Um, I have been in the real estate mortgage industry for almost uh, 20 years, over a little over 17 years. Uh, I run my own brokerage shop for mortgages, commercial, and uh, residential, and... Um, I'm also on the board of directors for the Asian Real Estate Association of America, and I am the vice president of the Chinese American Real Estate Association here in New York City as well. I mean, I think it's really interesting, especially now, uh, this time now that we're in with the whole virus and uh, interest rates being as low as they are right now. I mean, I don't I don't think I've ever seen it lower than this. Uh, I mean, what's your take on this whole economy like if i'm an investor and i'm looking at homes right now should should i possibly look into doing that so when you say investor what does that mean actually all right so let's just say uh, i'm I'm looking to buy a home to live in invest in a home as my primary residence sure due to low interest rate i saved up enough money i have enough i can put down i can probably get the loan have good credit have all my ducks in a row Mm -hmm. should i go into this and you're, this is your first, this is like your first house, not an additional house that you're looking at. Because sure. I think that's, it's different. Sure. Oh, of course. You know, approaches to it. So, uh, there's a couple of different ways of looking at it, right? Um, and I get this question a lot from my clients, my personal friends that ask for my opinions. And generally speaking, when you're thinking about your first home, you're thinking about doing it up, putting in that nice kitchen, putting in that nice, uh, living room where you invite guests over. Everybody's going to be happy. There's space, lots of couch uh, space for everybody to sit down. And also you want to have your man cave and all this other stuff. So I guess to correctly answer that, it really comes down to what's your preference, right? When you plan your own home, is there really a dollar or a price that could be justified for what you choose in your first home? I don't think so. And well, I, I'm asking more along the lines of, sh- should I be worried yep. about the economy? Mm-hmm. As a potential homeowner, should I be worried about the economy? And will I be making a bad investment? Will my investment go underwater? So, for example, let's just say a $300,000 home. Sure. and Or let's just say $500,000 home, and I'm looking at buying it and, and that's my budget and i find a home i like it but i'm concerned that the economy may go down my home may be worth less than what i agreed to pay for it in a few months from now or a year from now i may not recover in my market uh so is that something that i should be worried about so that's exactly the point that i was trying to get to when you're buying your first home you're looking to live in the home you're not necessarily worried about where things are going to be. Mm-hmm. You're more worried about what you're going to do with the home, how you're going to live in it, right. right? So what's a loss and what's a gain? When you buy a home, only when you sell at a loss is when you lose money. And only when you sell at a profit is when you make money, right? But what if you're planning on living there for at least five to seven years? You just got married. You're looking to have some kids. 
and you need those extra one or two bedrooms because you're planning a family, at the end of the day, you're not really focusing necessarily per se on where the market is at before you decide to buy your first home to start a family, right? Mm -hmm. So would you say that when you start your family, you have to plan around the economy? Or are you trying to start your life and buy whatever is suitable for you? Well, I do think that when you start a family, you should plan around the economy. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think that money is a major thing that cannot be underestimated, especially if you're planning to bring another life into this world. You're going to need more money because I'll tell you what, being a father of two children, expensive. Are, they're, they're not expensive. cheap. I'll tell you yeah. that. You know, they're certainly not cheap. And I understood that it's going to be expensive to raise kids. But I still underestimated a lot of the cost, and rightfully so, because I'm, I've am i never had kids before, so I didn't know what to expect. I just knew that they were expensive, but I didn't know how expensive they would be, right? So in my opinion, I think that if someone is going through uh, uncertainty, um, I think they have to look at their personal finances and if they can keep the income flowing and how much reserves that they have. I think if you have to ask yourself that question, and let's just talk about peace of mind, right? It, I would. There's nothing wrong with continue, continuing to rent. I don't think you're going to miss the boat. I, I think interest rates are going to stay low for at least another year, right? I think you still have... I, I, I think if you have another 12 months to assess your situation, I think that's what you should do. Being a first-time home buyer and all that stuff, you can still find like a beautiful home to rent. Beautiful home. And if you need that peace of mind, then that's a small price to pay. Now, when you see things start picking back up and uh, we, the virus is under control, the economy is, uh, you know, we, we after the election, we kind of know who our president is and we kind of get a good idea of the path forward. Then we can make uh, more long term decisions that will impact all us. But if you have to ask yourself that question mm -hmm. of, of whether or not I should or shouldn't and I'm concerned and it's a major concern and i'm going to stack additional costs on top of my mortgage then i would say you know what and you don't have that much reserves uh if something goes wrong and you're and it's only one income meaning if your significant other is going to be a stay-at-home parent then i would say personally i wouldn't take that risk i wouldn't take that risk wouldn't take the advantage of uh the low interest rates right now no no i'm the type i need a peace of mind yeah and if my wife isn't working and I'm going to dramatically increase the cost of living. Right, your expenses are going to skyrocket. Right, with diapers, hospitals, you know, food, uh, accessories, furniture, all of that. Yeah. All of that stuff is going to go up. And and keep in mind, when you buy a home, is not just you're not just paying for the roof over your head. You're going to want to refurnish things. You're going to want to do things are going to break as well, and you're going to have yeah. to maintenance exactly upkeep. unless you're living in a condo there's going to be like, there's going to be unexpected costs yeah. as a first-time home buyer there's going to be costs that you did not see coming no matter how well you prepared it's something not everything's within your control if something I, breaks i think i totally agree with everything that you're saying um however if we're going to go back i think your question was in today's market yeah you know as an investor should you consider it yeah um, I think with whatever you're in that situation in today's market, right? It, with what you're saying is, no matter what, you're always going to have to calculate your expenses on what you feel is right first. 
before you even decide to even start considering any home. Mm-hmm. Now, to answer your question about today's world or whichever it may be, look, like I said, if you're going to start your family, you're going to do whatever it is you need to do. I've always said this to every one of my clients. There's no perfect time to buy it. Because if you need to start your life, you need to start your life. And, I, and hear me out from my perspective, right? Obviously, COVID has really brought some realities into light, right? And it kind of makes you think like, you know what? Life is really serious, right? And do we really want to uh, joke around and put things off any further? Or do we want to continue and move forward with life? Or if we're in a relationship or we're ready to have that family, sometimes you realize, you know what? Life is short. So maybe we got to go ahead and do something now. So that, with that being said, it's it's to go back to, you know, whenever you need to start and you feel like you're, it's right for you to buy a home, and as long as your finances match, I don't think there's any time where, that could decide whether or not it's good or bad to buy for your first home. Now, if we're going to talk about it from an investment perspective, right? Right. Like you're getting additional property just for rental Correct. income or something like that. So this is a financial play, right? Right. And you've already got your home set up. You've already spent your money on your man cave. You've already set everything up for future situations in terms of kids or whatever it is. Women can invest too. That's correct. <laughs> I think every human being can invest. Women can. As long as they have that too. Yeah. the money, right? Um, so if you're looking at an investment property... Obviously, the general rule of thumb, and this isn't just from what I'm thinking, but I'm just pulling this from my uh, current clients. I deal with plenty of investors all the time, Chinese, Hispanic, uh, white, uh, Jewish, uh, African-American as well. They all have a general consensus of when there's blood on the streets, it's the perfect time to buy. Mm. When everybody is fearful saying oh don't buy it's the worst time we're losing uh property values are not coming up ever again they're gonna lose well you know what at that time that's really when the investors go in i agree with that i i wholeheartedly agree with that i mean if i can't tell you how much regret i have not going all in 2018 2008 2008, 2008. oh yeah 2009 for sure oh my that's because hindsight it's, it's 2020, 2020, right? Exactly. And 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 knowing I, I could have retired. Geez, like I, I would be sitting. Well, I, w- I wouldn't retire, but I could be work optional if, if I, you know, looked into my crystal ball and did what I did in 2008. And just as a perfect example uh, to, to what you're saying, there was I was looking at a condo out in Williamsburg. It was okay. a two bedroom, new construction, or new construction, okay. yep. mm-hmm. uh, unobstructed view of the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, of a high-rise luxury building. Sure. They were asking originally for 800, talked it down to just under 600,000. This is 2008? 2008. We had a hard hat walk You can get a lot of concessions from the developers at that time. They were scared. 3% down, uh, FHA, all that. So there was a a lot of concessions as well. I could get them to pay for, subsidize for closing costs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it looked real. Everything was good. And Sweet I had the deal. money, obviously. I had 3%. So, sure. uh, and I had a job. And everything, <clears throat> it was there. It was there. And I did not 
Pull the trigger. I did not pull the trigger because I was I was scared. I was like, man, you know, because with the the news, everything was doom and gloom. You would think that the U.S. economy was gonna die, right? You know, and I com- I completely and I was very young, so I completely bought into that. That same condo today, today, back in 2008, 12 years later, is worth 1.5 million dollars. I would have had at least a million in equity by now. Granted, the 900. Thousand and I, I would have probably paid off at least a hundred thousand by within the last twelve years. I mean, I paid more than that in my rent. At so, that time, so. should have, could have, would have, right? Exactly. But um, during yeah, but but during that time, it was it was, it was scary, the it was man. the mortgage and the finan- uh, financial crisis. You know, it was affecting real estate. Sure. But now it's different, right? You know, it, obviously, obviously, there's a trickle down effect, be- and it will affect real estate uh, eventually, right? The uh, real estate market. Mm-hmm. But back then, it was like the building wasn't even built yet. You know, it was affecting real estate. It's a risk. It was very risky. It's a risk. And I would understand that because... You're looking to double your money in 12 years. That's (laughs) crazy. I I, I would have been... More than double. Yeah. 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 I would have been afraid too because it it hasn't been built. So they're waiting. So these, these, you know, the contractors... It hasn't been built. Exactly. So the contractors are waiting for funding from, from, I I don't know, the banks, the government, whatever. And it seems like they're not getting it. So Mm -hmm. how do you know that this building, even if you... You know, getting contracted to buy it. How do you know that this building will even get built? So here's here's one thing that I right. want to add, and I get this all the time. And my clients are usually the the guys that are the sweet spot is their first home to their first investment property to their ten first ten properties, right? And they're always asking like, oh, what's when's the best time to invest? What am I going to do? I've got this great deal. I'm kind of on the fence. I'm not sure. Well. The way that I see it, and look, this is with me being over 17 years in the business, being on the board of directors of multiple organizations, and seeing the market for itself in true form, right? One thing I could always say, and it happened to me all the time, is um, when you have a great deal and you feel like you can't lose it, and but you're not sure about jumping in, one thing I can say is no matter what, there's always deals around the corner. Mm. There's always deals around the corner. And if you think there's that, other boats leaving the dock. Brother, look, Even so you're you so you're one. telling me that there isn't a savvy investor for when property values are high and there's not a savvy investor when property values are low. Mm-hmm. There's guys that play all different spectrums of the game. Right. But at the end of the day, it's whether or not you have enough knowledge to be able to think from that perspective. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that's why I say, look, I think it was a blessing in disguise that you didn't purchase it because now you understand and know the feeling of, oh, great deal. Act now. Right. So that the next time you're prepared even more financially. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you failed the first time if you consider that as a failure. And like Michael Jordan, get back on the court, keep shooting. You're going to miss 9,000 shots, but... You know what? At the end of the day, you can be an all-star as long as you don't give up. That's a healthy Super way of positive. looking at it, but you can't help but get that FOMO feeling, the fear of missing out moving forward. That's correct. And, and I have to be careful yep. of that I, as an investor of anything. I mean, we have to invest to build you know, more equity and capital uh, for whatever our financial goals are. But because I've missed that boat, now I got I to gotta look at it on the other side. I have learned from that, but I still... I'm cautious. I'm, sure. I'm, I'm cautiously invested because I can't look at everything like it's the same thing. Like I'm going to miss this boat. I've, I'm going to have this fear of missing out on mm-hmm. another great investment. Mm-hmm. Because I think 
there are fewer great there are more investments that are traps than there are ones that can give you a 200% return. You're absolutely correct. Only if that's your only peripheral vision of what you're seeing. Now, when it comes to deals and real estate deals, from my experience, if you get involved and you dive in deep and you really do your research and you travel all over the U.S. and really try to get to know the right people, that perspective broadens. All right, but right. that's easier said than done. I mean, that's if you're you're at real estate. Well, you're in it to win time. it, right? So it's either you're in or you're out, and that's the, the game of real because estate. I, I find a lot of people, most people mm-hmm. that invest in real estate, sure. as uh, I, I see them do it as a side hustle. Sure. And then when they when they are successful and they go and they figured it out, they found the magic sauce. Sure. Then they go full time at it. So most people that I know. Yep. Focus purely on real estate as a side hustle. They dabble in it, mm-hmm. or they just have one or two additional properties sure. that they collect rent on, right. and they go, "Okay, I'm happy with this," and they don't expand further into that. Well, that's on them, right? So it really comes down to what it is that you want and how much time you're willing to put into it. If you're looking for a deal where you put in money 12 years ago and now you're looking to double or triple your money. Guess what? You probably have to do a lot more research than you think. So you're saying there's a lot of other deals just so like that. So many, one. it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. How do you find it? What are some of these signs that you that you are able to kind of pick up on? I mean, cuz you you've been t- doing this your whole career. Yeah. And you've made a a, a fantastic living out of it. And you uh, and I've seen you uh were very successful and you know, you had you Well, it depends on what your well, your category. Well, cons- uh, I mean, yeah. all things considered, uh what you're able you Okay, let's counter, let's put it into scope. Uh, luxury cars, uh, homes. You're able to provide a lifestyle. You're able to travel. Uh, you're able to, I guess, pop bottles at the club, right? So, uh, and, and all this without really worrying about your bill. When you see it, you're just like, oh, well, that was fun. And that was it. So yeah. that's what I'm talking about. You're not really worrying about money because you know the next payday is going to is going to come and you have enough secured. Sure. So you know what? I'm going to go out and buy that car because sure. I I just like things like that. I like material stuff, so I'm going to just buy this cool thing. I'm going to go out, I'm going to spend a, a a stupid amount of money on alcohol which doesn't even make sense because I want to have fun with my friends. And and that's it. I like well, Let I, me ask I, you a question. So that's that's what I mean as successful as in your 20s and 30s, right? For sure. the most part. Sure. Um just 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 putting it into context that you have a lot of disposable income. Sure. And you don't have to be concerned about um, spending it sure. on items where most people are just trying to survive. So my, well, at the end of the day, for me, it's always good to pay attention on what you're spending mm-hmm. because you don't want to overspend and put yourself in a position where you can't afford things, right? Mm-hmm. So I think when... And it, you're speaking from experience because I know you went through that. I've had ups and downs. Yeah. I've had it all. I remember at that one point you had like five cars. Well, right. I've had ups and downs. I've had it all at one point and I've lost it all at one point. Right. And I've taken the past 10 You've years to really like try to get back on my feet. And, you know, this time around, it's a very humbling experience. But at the end of the day, I think from what I understand with personal experience and from my investors, it's not about the dollar amount that you spend. It's about the value that you get. Right. So... Don't be afraid to spend. But if you're getting major value out of it, why not? Mm-hmm. Right? So 
Uh, let me use an example. I love that, by the way. Well, everybody's looking for a value play, especially in real estate. Because a lot of people, are, are they look at the 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 cost. Right. And and they're not looking at the value. So let me add to that. So, that, so that's, that's a, they, they create this barrier of entry that, sure. that doesn't exist mentally. Correct. So let me ask you Assuming this. Assuming they have the finances. Right. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. When you are networking and it's your job to be networking in, in this real estate industry to build rapport and relationships with key people, how do you know that the person that's popping the bottles or entertaining is not building a relationship with that person, mm-hmm. which may in return build into future business that pretty much covers that cost of that event? Right. 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 So, again, value play. If you're just a regular average guy, you're doing a bachelor party with your friends, right. and your pure goal is to go out there, just have fun with that bachelor party, pop a couple bottles, enjoy life for the night, and then um, go back to normal life, then yeah, you'd have to think twice before you spend it, right? But if you're networking or possibly building future business out of it, then it's a justified cost. Right. Then, 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 that then can you go may on, be able to get your the value Black Amex business card. <laughs> something like that right it's a it's an expense <laughs> right right so so you think so you think there are a lot of deals out there yep i agree and i i, I you do need to educate yourself but yep. at some point you're, you're going to have to learn through failure and i'm glad that you mentioned that because when i say that i'm a professional failure i've made many many mistakes in my career i've made so many mistakes that i started seeing the mistakes two or three times over and then that's when I realized, you know what, I can continue to be making this, these mistakes or I could stop it here and learn from it, right? So don't be afraid of failure. Just understand, don't bet so much that you can't afford to lose it. It's kind of like, you know how sometimes they have a saying, you know, when you lend money to a friend, mm. don't expect that it's going to come back. Mm. And yeah. if it does come back, great. If it doesn't, then you know what, you should have already expected it right so it's kind of like that when you're making an investment play always bet what you could afford to lose in terms of failure it's okay to um, lose the battle but win the war live to fight another day right so how do you mitigate some of those losses one thing that i learned over time is you could either learn through your own time and pay your way through or you could learn from someone else kind of like going to school versus learning out in the street, right? So um, with that being said, on some of my investments that I go in on, I always understand what I know about the deal myself, and then I work with people that I'm not, uh, in areas that I'm not good at. Like, for example, if some people are looking, oh, you know what? I've been hearing these things about foreclosures. I want to get into a foreclosure. I want to buy a house. I want to fix it up. I saw it on HGTV last night. It's so easy. I want to get into one right now. Okay. <laughs> HGTV will have, will have you with so unrealistic right? expectations. Yeah. Right? But the thing is, they, they have other actual contractors that, that HGTV pays to, to renovate That's these a possibility, places. yeah. So it's not like... So at the end of the mind. day, you really want to partner up with people that are good at what you're not good at, right? But now it also comes down to business 101. Just because you can make money with someone doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to make money with someone. Why? Because at the end of the day, integrity comes first. Absolutely. 
right? And that's that's very difficult to find a business partner that has integrity, someone you can trust who's not gonna uh, who's gonna cut you short so that they could eat more. Correct. Um, and you know what? You can't really hate uh, the situation uh, only because look, this is just human nature, right? So at the end of the day, if a human sees that there's maybe possible long term gain in doing the long road, then most likely they're going to act that way if that's what they want, right? Or if someone doesn't see anything long-term and just needs that immediate gain right now, then that person might not not be the best one for you, right? But you're probably not going to see that. If if that is their end game, they're going to do everything they can to disguise that. That's right. That's right. So the hardest part about this industry and this game and this business that I've learned for close to 20 years is finding the integrity in that person that you're surrounding yourself with or about to work with. I want to drill down on that. Sure. Uh, A couple of things. That's how do you find that? What do you look at? What are some signs? Yeah. How do you identify those characteristics? So... Um, I speak to about 300 people a month every single month for the past 10 years. I, I would like say, I apologize, maybe like five or six years like hardcore, but I've been kind of building on that and honing in on, on specific traits, right? And one thing that I understand is a human being can pretty much have about 150 people that they can stay in touch with at any given time. And out of those 150 people, they have about 20 acquaintances that they like see and kind of still like definitely keep in touch and say hi and you can have a deeper conversation with. But out of those 20, there's also 10 that are really in your circle, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, what I learned when I was younger uh, was that joining you know, an Asian interest fraternity or being a part of something bigger than I am, I always want to be included and try to be the person that fit in, right? And I realize that that is good because you want to try to please others. But at the end of the day, it kind of also hurts you because it gives you blinders where you don't see the real people and the fake people, right? So what I've come to learn over the years is whatever or whoever is around you, always try to see their actions or their their motives behind certain things first before considering to put them in your inner circle if what they say and what they do does not match right see they, therefore they, that's the red flag sure is that what you're saying sure um usually look i also you know being on the uh, involved in these groups the chinese american real estate association and aria um you do a lot of networking events mm-hmm. and you have, you know, be on the board of directors. You have to get to know everyone right. inside that networking event. That could be either 50 people or 500 people. Right. Right. And from my understanding, and this is just my experience and I could be wrong. People that come up to you and try to talk shop mm-hmm. right away mm-hmm. are generally the people that you want to stay away from. Are they which like is looking counter, for their next victim? Which is counterintuitive, is right? Are they, are they looking for the That's next That's a possibility, dummy? right? It's a possibility. But it just means that they're there purely to just do business. So you're saying if someone just skips all the foreplay and just goes straight. Straight in. That's that's a red flag. Uh, yes, it's a red flag for me only because okay, uh, based on my experience, nine times out of ten turns out to be a shark. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to you know be what? in the I, I agree with that. Because yeah. uh, if, if, if you look at it, like these people are not concerned about building a relationship sure. first. Exactly. And having someone else that has integrity. So for me, if you don't care about that, that tells me which which team you're playing for. Sure. And what's your what's your it's a possibility? That, that, yeah, that gives a big sign. Sure. If I don't go out to 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 get to know you and understand what you're about, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to make money as fast as possible. I'm looking to take advantage of someone. Sure. So if someone does that to me, I'm, I I could see the game right there. Right. Right. Uh, but I think people are way more charismatic these days. I think they're they're a lot better at disguising their true agenda. Either they avoided at all costs they kind of talk you know and they talk about a separate lane and they'll kind of let you talk it up and they'll smooth talk you into it which i've seen a lot right um or or they'll slowly plant the seed and let it grow sure they're and patient then, yeah they're, they're, patient they're, they're, they're very patient so i mean i think because i think what you're saying mm-hmm. a lot of people are hip to that now they know for example if i'm a shark if let's just say i'm a shark and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking I'm looking for dummies at sure. these networking yep. events, mm-hmm. but I'm not a rookie shark. Yep. I've been, this is like, let's just say this is my 10th networking sure. event. And I could see now that when I'm trying to finesse someone mm-hmm. by going straight up, skipping foreplay, just, Hey, you want to fuck? You know, <laughs> like I'm skipping all that. I'm going, Hey, you want to fuck? Yeah. And it's not working. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go, Oh shit. Yo, you want to drink? Uh-huh. Hey, that's a that's a beautiful you know necklace you got oh yeah, yeah i love the way it looks on you and then you start talking you start and then you know making each other laugh and get comfortable with each other oh, here's another drink boom sure right and then next thing you know i got your number and all right you have a good night it was nice meeting you goodbye sure. yeah and then you slow play it then you give a little text you know i i, I think a lot speaking in business sense mm-hmm. i think a lot of people are starting to realize that that's the way to play it so, yes and no. Uh, I, I would have to kind of disagree with that. And the reason why I say that is because, um, generally speaking, when you're dealing with a professional network, these people are out in it to win it and they want to make money and they need to make money quick, right? So to build that relationship over time, some some of my best people that I work with, we don't do business for five years, and my man, if you can do the dance for five years with me, <laughs> you know what? You deserve it. You deserve it. Then I'm an idiot for not being able to read you, right? Because can you really hide yourself, your true self, for five years, mm-hmm. right? Where you've gone to f- eating food together, getting drunk together, building that bond and saying, oh, man, we're boys, blah, blah, this and that, and going on trips together. You're going to see them slip one way or the other, right? Right. I've seen signs. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I've seen people that, you know, are where they try to stiff the uh, waiter for the bill. Mm -hmm. And this is after knowing them for a year. Right. So that's when you kind of realize that's when you start seeing, Okay, well, if we're in a business deal together, how are they going to act with Mm -hmm. me? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they're trying to sweet to or whatever. Look, at the end of the day, the reason why I'm so happy is because. That 150 people, mm-hmm. the 20 people, the 10 close to me, okay. I've weeded everyone that's negative out. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's taken me a long time to build that. So let's let's talk yeah. about the other part, the, the part two of, of, of what I wanted to get at. Sure. Uh, how do we spot a deal? Now, we know, okay. we know how to... Sp- not, we go, okay, these are some of the signs we could look out for sure. for potential uh, red flags in a business partner. Sure. But So now how do we spot a good deal? 
deal out in real estate? How do you know that, hey, this is going to be a cash cow? Fair enough. You're good at basketball, right? I'm all right. Um, what would you say is the best shot that you can make? A three-pointer, foul line? I mean, uh, the I'm not good. The best score. shot <laughs> is the open shot. Where, okay. Where I know it's the high probability of going in. So for you, would you say the foul line is good? Uh, it's all right. Yeah, I got. Okay. I mean, that's an easy range, but a layup is better. Fair enough. So when you're doing that perfect layup, you kind of know when you get that feeling that it's going to go in, right? Every time. That's kind of like when you see a deal, right? What you have to do is you have to see so many deals of good deals where other people are making money and you're not, but you're sitting on the sidelines that you know and feel and taste Mm -hmm. what that deal is. So by the time you see it, you can... Now, that's that's very abstract. Uh, you're trying to get I want to I wanna drill to down the, to concrete yeah. because I think a lot, of, a lot of people <laughs> a rate. lot of people that are listening they go well that's great and all that you can identify it but what are you identifying like what are you like for example you go oh there's a lot of sharks out there well what do these sharks look like what sure. do they do oh, a good deal is, a good deal really comes down to the perspective of the person investing right from my understanding some people are okay with 30% a year in profits some people are okay with 200% a year or more, right? Uh, I've had some people that tell me, look, if you're not going to give me 10 times my money, don't bother talking to me. So it really comes down to perspective and I can't really exactly answer. Like for you, what would you be okay with? If you want to invest in an investment property that's not your original property that you're living in with your family, what's the return you need in order for but it to But how do you sense? know that it's going to reach... And I understand sure. everyone has going to have different qualifications. Different and, thresholds. And, and thresholds of of what... Well, different qualifications where they want to hit in terms... For example, if I said to myself, I want a 12% sure. gain. Sure. And that's non-negotiable. I'm not going to move from that. Gotcha. Uh, I'm not going to settle for less because it's not... That's my price. It's not worth my time. Got you. So anything less than 12% is not. So I, I get that. So people are going to have different thresholds. Some people may be, hey, I'm okay as long as the the mortgage pays for itself mm-hmm. through the renters mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I'm building equity. Mm-hmm. Some people are okay. So there's there's different uh, places. But what I'm saying is before all that, how do you get to the point where you can hit your goals, your thresholds, that, that gap? So how... What do you look for? You know, it's like it's like saying, what do you look for in a good business partner? Integrity, mm-hmm. right? You right away you can see like, hey man, this this person has sure. integrity. Sure. This person is honest. This person isn't lazy. Look at they, his actions. Yeah, he walks the walk. Their, their actions walk before I can even ask this person, is it ready or did you do this? They're coming to me with things that I haven't even That's thought right. of yet. That's that right. is a fantastic business yep. partner. Mm-hmm. So. As a business deal, when you're looking in real estate, how do you identify that parallel? I guess in the industry, they they call it upside, right? What's the upside, short-term or long-term? If I have a lot of money to play with, sometimes I would go for short-term gain where I could buy, fix, and flip a home right away. Or uh, you may want to just buy and hold. If If you're looking for that 12%, it is out there. There are a lot of people that are making 12%. Um... For example, I'm sure you guys didn't even know this, but a good majority of hotels in New York City, some, I, I, you know what? I'm not going to say a good majority, but some of them are maximum capacity filled all the time. 
And did you know that it's because the government subsidizes subsidizes homeless people to live in hotel rooms? So they're just living there every single day. Okay. So you might be getting your cap rate, um, your percentage on your return right away. It all depends on, again, what you're looking for, right? But if you're looking for a short-term deal, generally speaking, you want to buy a property, fix it up, and then flip it out real quick. But if you want long-term where it's not so risky... Um, then you want to buy a property where you just rent and just collect the but rent. But what do you look for? What are some of these qualifying factors okay. in, a, in a market that you're looking at? For example, if I'm looking out at a certain town, mm-hmm. and uh, what am I, am I looking at schools? Am I looking to see if they got a Whole Foods nearby? Like, what, There's what, a million what, things that go into am it. Am I looking at the medium income, that, unemployment? Like, everything that you're saying, a little bit has to go into that final decision. And the reason why I don't want to specifically say any one thing is because I don't want to confuse anybody. Because at the end of the day, everything needs to count, right? But what are your, But to try to answer your question, what am I looking for? For me, I guess it's also because I'm younger, right? I know that I could probably rebuild if I do fail, right? So if that's the case, I'm looking for that uh, short-term gain where if I do go into a neighborhood... I'm going to look at what's the average price uh, property uh, 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 that's being sold, right? And I also want to see what's on the market, meaning, you know, whatever regular listing agents are showing. What's currently an open listing. Right. Uh, Then you also have some people or you have places like auction.com where you're looking at properties that are in foreclosure and you kind of run your numbers from there, right? Mm -hmm. But for deals like myself right now, I only pretty much work with fix and flip Mm -hmm. meaning i'll find an undervalued asset fix it up and then flip it uh why because there's um a crazy amount of gain up front and i also know how to mitigate my losses because reduce your liability correct so maybe in this situation where you can't get the value that you want to sell you could actually cash out on the house refinance cash out Get your money that you put in already to fix up the property, maybe a little bit of a profit as well, and rent out the property where the tenant pays your mortgage, pays your bills, and you make a little bit money on top as well. Mm-hmm. So, so you're okay with that, like buying a home, yep. fixing it, mm-hmm. keeping it, mm-hmm. and renting it out to someone. It's more of like an insurance policy, right? Because you can't guarantee that it's going to be sold because when you're fixing a home, it's anywhere between 6 and 12 months, let's say. If we all had a crystal globe, we're not going to invest in real estate. We're going to go right into the market, right? Mm -hmm. But because that's the case, you always want to have a backup plan Hmm. just in case you cannot sell. So what you're saying, it's it's safer to rent it out and it's also easier. Depends on where you're looking. If we're talking New York City, I would say run, run far away, you know? Um, Oh, so run far away from rental properties. In New York City. In New York City. Wow. Why? Because your dollar can be stretched so much further in other places. Mm. Plus, New York City has insane rental rules that favor the tenant. Yes. So we were just talking about that. Mm-hmm. They could. It takes forever to evict someone who doesn't want to pay rent in New York City. Like if they wanted to be a scumbag, they can live rent free six to twelve months before the law actually moves on getting them the hell out of there. Well, I'm not a lawyer, but I do understand generally right. what you're saying. I have friends that rent out, and and I mean, Nora, I know you. Yeah, I, I tell you this story. My so I I had a 
my my family had a a, a, a house in in Brooklyn, Bushwick, sure. yep. and uh, he bought it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were tenants in there. Okay, and so he gave them adequate enough time to kind of look for a property, right? Um, and um, look for another place sure. and 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 leave, but. The tenant decided not to, so he stayed there. It took him two years, up to two years, to to evict them. Holy! Going to yeah. some tenants. I underestimated that one no, greatly. No, yeah. I said that's, six to twelve months, twenty four I mean, months. That's 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 actually really nice to to twenty four months rent free. Yeah, expedited. Believe it or not, believe it or not, there are that is robbery. Believe it, it or not, in this industry, there are some people that are professional tenants. Right? They know what they're doing, and they know. All the laws. How to live rent-free in New York City. Correct. Well, I'll give you an example. One of my uh, friends that purchased the property, undervalued, was going to make probably two times his money on the deal. Fixed everything up. Just needed to have um, uh, somebody to come in and review all the work to make sure it's been done correctly. All of a sudden, over the weekend, someone breaks in. A person decides to stay. Wait, that person who broke in the person to stay. that broke in squatting squatter right decided to stay okay and not leave mm-hmm. and then when the when the landlord came over to try to evict them they ran into some legal troubles and what ended up happening was they had to keep the tenant in there for two months to fully evict them and by the time they were done because there was no electricity in the house the pipes weren't working correctly yet so it's not considered a legal dwelling well it's not even that. It's the fact that they destroyed your property. Um, Think about it. There's no electricity in the house, right? Mm-hmm. So what are they doing? They're lighting candles. They're doing this. Right. They're doing that. I mean, they'll do whatever they need to do to survive. But isn't that breaking and entering? That could be viewed as breaking and entering. But guess what? That tenant understood the rules enough to stay in there for two months. Can't so they get arrested for wait, that? Wait, wait. So, okay. So he wasn't, uh, this person, the squatter, wasn't no. a legal tenant, but he knew enough of about the laws yes. to take advantage play of- Play the system. Play the system. Yeah, but squat. how can you go in a home yep. and squat if you don't have a legal contract to say you that you and the person who owns the dwelling agree that you can stay here under some type of- well, agreement. Let me ask you this. There was no agreement. Let there. me ask Can't you this. Can't you just freaking yoke them out? As a landlord, correct. However, what if the tenant makes up a lease? But you never signed anything. There's no leak. There's nothing legally binding. You would not have any idea how much some of these professional tenants know how to work around the system. A lot of them, from my understanding of recently, Decide to do this just so they can get a buyout. But they would. From the they would even. They would even need to know the landlord's name. Yeah, and it's not hard to find a landlord's name. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it's you very could, easy. You could, you could find out on the internet. Google it. You could find like who owns what property, how long they own it, like a lot of information on, on well, online. Well, let's put it this way: New York City is so technologically advanced mm-hmm. that we have a system that's from the the city that provides your personal information to anyone that decides to log time in out time the fuck out so you're saying yep if you have a condo yep. a sweet 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 penthouse yes balcony bola status everything and yes. let's just say it's like one of these condos that's like five figures a month yes in manhattan yes and like for whatever reason the door was unlocked and there's nobody residing in it. And I just happen to know who the landlord is. And I draw up a fake lease agreement and I walk in there. I can stay there for two months rent free. Again, I'm not an attorney. I can't give legal advice. 
but has it been done plenty of times? Holy cow. So for two months, I could pretend. Squatters like, have rights too. I, well, I could pretend like well, I'm the, the thing, right? most baller dude in New York and just bring a whole bunch of people up from the bars. Well, here's the thing, out. right? Here's the thing, right? Some of these professional tenants That's insane. also know that if they go in as a squatter, they can make enough trouble for you to have to pay legal fees. Mm. And if they try to hit you and say, you know what? You're going to pay $10,000 in legal fees. Give me $7,000. I'll walk out right now. It's been done. How is and that? It happens. How is that even legal? That's happened that's to blackmail? me. Not, not, not the not the whole squatter thing, but that's happened to me where that's... my tenant, I, I tried to evict them, but they decided that they wanted to stay, even though their lease was up. Right. So so I took them to court. But then obviously, if you take them to court, there's a legal proceeding. There, right. There's an eviction process that takes it's a pain in two months. That takes, the process. That takes two to they three months. They can make months. it very painful and, for you. And and the, the the fact is, like if you don't want the headache, you would pay them to leave. That's so right. I paid them two two grand, two thousand like a month's uh, rent to for them. That's to leave. why they. You say, know what? You know, I'm just gonna call. I'm just gonna call Joey Ray Ray, <laughs> and then and make then, a visit to their door. You, then and you, then if then they doc, got, and then if they document that, yes, you got the distinction. No, they how do they know it for me? How do they know it for me? <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> how happens? do they know for me? Well, guess what happens? You like I said in New York City, they look out. For the tenants, right? And it makes sense, right? Jeez, because I'm just kidding. Don't day, don't send someone. Right. But holy crap, that's yeah. that's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Super that's frustrating. so frustrating. I mean, these guys yeah. are fucking stealing. Well, that's why they say if you can make it in New York, you can make it in That's such a <laughs> right? scummy way. That's a, that's a good way to look it's at true. it. <laughs> right? Because you have to go through. And that's why some people, when they see HGTV and then they try to apply it on buying an investment property or whatever it is. I always say, look, there's always going to be a deal around the corner if you've got a deal now. And if you are not good at something, you don't know how to manage or you don't know how to do the construction, find someone that is really good at it right. with good integrity and partner up with them. Even so how about that? How do you find uh, people that are contractors mm-hmm. that have good integrity? You could start with the paper You can look at the newspaper. Yeah, but how do you know that it's not a scumbag posting on it? I'd say... Where they're going to take forever to build. They're I'd gonna say skip so many what you, you want to do like is start like off hawk. with um, referrals from friends. Look, we're at that age, like, what, we're, we're running on close right. to 30. But if, what now. if it's out of market? What if you find a good deal in Phoenix? Well, guess what? You know, you don't, and you're not from Phoenix. Well, guess what? You're going to have to go do your work because, again, if you're looking to make money... Is in there, anything, like, a Yelp for contractors? Uh, definitely, for sure. Well, right? the, the thing yeah. is, like, if you're looking for out-of-state properties, is you don't even need to look for contractors. You look at the real estate agents. You find someone who you could partner up with. They already have Ooh. all the contacts, oh. all the contractors, all the... Um, uh, uh, the the management companies they all have they can all I have give connections. You, can I give you a different perspective? Okay, well, what yeah, if, well, what if they do? What if they do some bullshit on you? Like what's that movie Parasite, where they loop in all of their people and, and uh, this whole scam? Oh I mean, man, that's a huge no. That's, you know that's what I mean? Because they're gonna, well, they're you know gonna loop in all their. That's folks. the point that I'm trying to bring up. Mm-hmm. So if a real estate agent has their crew. Right? right, right. How do you know they're not receiving kickback from these people? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right? So maybe what they'll do is they'll lure you in with a cheap price up front. Once you're locked in with them, oh, this happened, that happened, bup, 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 bup. But that's that's also and where, now, where, where you say you your due to... diligence comes in, right? So you have to vet those contractors that they're presenting to you. Yep. And then you have to look out. See, I always look at it like the, from this point of view. If, if someone's presenting something to you, you vet it, but also look elsewhere. Like you, you look at, at other contractors mm-hmm. yourself and you compare those services and those prices. So 
um, this leads me to my final point. If you want to be an investor, try to work with people that are have good integrity as investors already and offer to let them use your money to make money where you make very little, but you get to see the whole process. Mm. Right? Because what we're thinking when we're investing, like, oh, you know what? I got this great deal. I'm going to make $500,000. And after I make my $500,000, I'm going to put $100,000 away for that nice car. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, if you have no business doing that line of work or buying that property, guess what? You're nine times out of 10, you're going to make that mistake. And most likely, if it's enough money for you to lose, it might bankrupt you. Mm. So the best thing to Mm -hmm. do is it's like going to school. And the way I see it is if you go to NYU to get a graduate school degree, you're paying anywhere between 30 and $60,000 a year, two or three years in a row to get that degree. If you're will, if people are willing to do that to gain that experience, why are you not willing to invest in yourself by partnering up with a savvy investor that pays their their uh, other investors on time a good handsome return, not the number that you want in your mind, but you're also learning. But you're in exchange, you're, you're gaining that knowledge. From Correct. The, yeah. You're paying for the knowledge. So mm-hmm. instead of paying thirty thousand, thirty to sixty thousand dollars a year on a college education with with uh, not a guaranteed ROI, you're saying through personal experience, you actually, through if you invested a similar amount, you would get something back, but just not as high as you would want at the very beginning. I also don't encourage not going to school, and I'll tell you why. I'm not saying that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because, you know, when, when you're going to school, it's not necessarily the classes that you take or whatever it is. It also teaches you how to manage a lot of things at the same time, which is perfect training for real life. Right. Uh, Running a successful business. It sounds great because, you know, you get to enjoy the fun rewards of, you know, success. But what about the tough times that you have to go through where you have to manage five million things at once? And no matter what success is the only answer. And if if you have failure, it's going to hurt and sting a lot. So at the end of the day, you know, um, I something to fall back. on. I always say I always say. Don't risk what you can't afford to lose. And if you want to get into... What if you're willing to risk it all? No problem. Get rich or die trying. Yeah. No problem. (laughs) YOLO, bitch. No problem. (laughs) Then go ahead and do it and go auction on the first house that you see that you Mm -hmm. think is a great deal and learn your lesson. Either way, you're going to pay to learn a lesson. It's either you pay a lot or you pay a little, Mm -hmm. right? So I I guess... here, what I summarize with this whole segment that we're, we're touching upon is, number one, <clears throat> if you're going to be in business with anyone, just make sure that they have integrity and watch out for any red flags and trust your instincts on that one. That's right. And in terms of looking for deals, there's going to be several different thresholds. Everyone's going to define it differently depending on their strategy sure. and their personal risk tolerance. Yep. Um, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what they all have in common is that you have to know your numbers. Correct. You have to know your numbers. Correct. You can't. You, you, and I think at the end of the day, you you look at what your what your investment is going to be, what you can take out, and at the end of it, what's it going to look like? Right. Um, there's going to be some risk involved, obviously, but just you have to know your numbers, and and I think that comes with experience, especially because. Right off the bat, you'll be able to tell, oh, this is a good deal. 
You can like, like the, for example, like a sneakerhead. Yeah. Like they'll be able to sure. see if a sneakers yeah. are undervalued, yes. and they go, "Ooh, that's a good deal." So when they're looking at homes, it's the same thing. If you're like a house hunter, or house head, whatever. I don't know what the correct term for yep. for that is yep. in regards to sneakerhead. But if you're a house head or apartment head, you, you right away when you say, "Ooh, this one's in good condition, crazy undervalued." I just gotta you know do fix up the kitchen for like five grand that's gonna up the equity by 30 grand and mm-hmm. i'm all good another thing is you know some people come up to me and they say they want to get into real estate as real estate agents how do i become a good real estate agent what's um a good so you're hold on b- sure. back up you said that they go into the game by becoming an agent first well is that i what mean you just they said? want to understand the game right, right so yeah. the best way to do it is to learn on someone else's property versus yourself right <laughs> um but sometimes you know agents uh, or people that come up to me and want, they want to start in the business, they ask me, oh, what's the what's the best real estate company to work for? What's the highest payout? What's the maximum I'm going to get? And I always tell them, listen, at the end of the day, you really don't know much. So generally speaking, you want to go for the ones that are, that are going to pay you the least and make you do the most amount of work, right? Mm-hmm. Why are they doing that? Well, think about it. The guy clearly is doing good enough to have enough business for you to work on, right? Or guy or girl, right? And if, let's say, for example, they're paying you very little, but they're making you do all the work, that just means you're doing the work that they no longer want to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the best person that knows every inch of the room is the janitor that cleans the floor, mm. right? Maybe not everybody respects who he is, but as he's cleaning, he knows every inch of that floor, right? So while you're doing that role or job be okay with getting paid very little but understand that you're doing something that other people don't want to do and the difficult part is mm-hmm. not like everybody wants to be a star yes everybody wants to be in good shape but nobody wants to diet nobody wants to put, want to put in all in the, the work. work that's the thing i hear what you're saying man <clears throat> and it's just it's so real you have you, no matter how you spin it, no shortcuts. You you gotta. I mean, there there'll be certain shortcuts where you do catch a break. I've seen that happen. Yep. Shit happens to me, right? But regardless of that, the work has to be there for sure. The work has even when you do get an opportunity, you still have to have that catalog. Yes, in order to to build that muscle. That's so right. You may catch a break sometimes where you just you know you're feeling good that day, but you have to do the work, and that's the key takeaway. Sure. Uh, the I hear what you're saying, and it's just, fuck, you're talking, you're telling me I got to fucking be a janitor first, man? <laughs> that doesn't sound sexy wax to me on, at all. Wax on, wax off. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I, I, I really, damn, I, I, can I just pay somebody for this, or can it just come to me like Uber? <laughs> you know, like, damn, I got to raise my hand and wait on the corner for a cab? Oh, by the way, you, you can know? pay for it. If you have enough money to pay people to do all this work and teach you and make on the deal... It's going to cost you most a lot of the of time, money. though. Most investors don't have that. They they have to learn through their own um, experience and right. their own effort. So, right. All really interesting stuff. I do want to pivot here now, sure, uh, because I know that you're really into the whole Asian American scene. Dun dun dun. Right, right, right. and and that has been a big thing lately. You know, with um, with what we're going on and Asian Americans, and there has been a big shift, right? So. We're looking at what's going on in Asian Americans today, and I, I and just a year ago, all of us, all the Asian Americans, like, shoot, man, they're making a big push. Look at we got 
we're getting all these movies on Netflix and people are starting to say, oh man, yeah, we got to be more inclusive and we're loving it. And it was they all kumbaya. They associate Asians with billionaires. Right, which is couldn't be further from the truth. That model minority, that is a, a major myth. Like I cannot tell you how many poor Asians I know and how many Asians I know that are just, they just don't fit the definition of a model minority. Sure. But you do, I, I, I feel like you're the right person to talk about this because you do a lot of work on the front end and I do want to highlight that here. Sure. Uh, you do a lot of community service. Uh, you do help out a lot of Asian Americans. You're, you're into, on, a, on a real estate side, on a community side, uh, even in a political side. So, you know, you, you, you have your hands in all of these arenas and you touch on. So I feel like I'm not just talking to somebody that I'm, I'm not getting somebody's perspective that's a online warrior, you know, and I'm okay with that. I know I'm in 2020. I know there are guys that's going to do absolutely nothing but contribute their opinion on Instagram, Reddit, Facebook, whatever it is. And that's as far as they'll go is they'll be really tough. Right. They don't have skin in the game. They don't really, they're outsiders looking in. But you, you'll never ult- see them at, a, at an Asian event. Right. Right. You're, you're the ultimate well, insider. Any, anything. I wouldn't say I'm the ultimate but insider, but. I, yeah. I, I, and, and I say that because I have friends that I see on social media and they have a, such a strong, strong presence on their online account. However, nobody knows them outside of that. Outside of that, like they, they never have boots to the ground. They're not. They're putting in the work. They just offer their opinion, and very righteous. And it's they, they draw up a strong arguments online, but they have time to type it out and, and do their research, and and that's great. And that may make a difference, right? But you are there, right? And for better or for worse, people agree with you or they don't. Um, what do you see? What do you see? I, w- I want your perspective on the whole. Asian American experience. So why don't we take a step back and give you some light on my journey to where I am now. Um, In high school, uh, I was fortunate enough to go to this great high school called uh, Great Neck South High School. Um, It was probably, I would say, number 20, uh, voted number 26 uh, out of all the top schools in the nation uh, for a public school. Um, my school had probably about 35 to 40% Asian population and community. Oh, wow. That's yeah. incredible. Big. You're big. lucky. Cause I was one, I was the 1%. <laughs> 1%. Point, I, point I, zero. Yeah. And I tell you, it was extremely, extremely difficult. Right. Growing up. So um, we had, we had events called Asian night where you would. Oh, you had an Asian night too. Yeah, wow. yeah. Asian night. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't experience my first Asian night until college. Yeah, me too. Right. So you know, I would be on the lion dance team, or I would would be a part of that. You know, back in the day, we all grew up in the '90s, right? So Korean music was big. So <laughs> they had Korean K-pop dances or whatever. It's still big. Or fashion show. It's even bigger now than ever. So you know, we. I, I was privileged enough to be able to um, be a part of an Asian interest organization at a young age. Uh, graduated from high school, getting into college. I went to Brooke College. I was also fortunate enough to be able to join an Asian interest fraternity, which all of us are a part of, um, which gives you another window into uh, the whole Asian scene growing up in the 90s and converting into the 2000s where we're getting more accepted uh, into this, um, I guess, American society. And then um, post uh, fraternity, 
you know, starting off in the mortgage industry, I got my job from a fraternity bro, right? And as I was building out my team, you were always encouraged to bring in your friends to work with you, to build a stronger team, to be able to do more business. And, you know, coming from an Asian fraternity and having a lot of Asian friends, my entire team was built on Asians, right? So during my, even my career, when I first started off, uh, it was a huge Asian team. We had up to probably around 75 people working uh, with us that were all Asian Americans, right? Then um, as the years went by, I ended up starting doing more, I guess, charitable work for the Asian Real Estate Association of America or the Chinese American Real Estate Association. And as of late, I even joined uh, one of our fraternity brothers, uh, Jay, in Lunar NYC, which supports Asian youth and sports and etc. cetera. Um, and on top of that, over the years, I've worked closely with uh, the 61st Precinct in uh, Brooklyn to give back to the community and work with their Asian liaison team to build a bond between the police and the neighborhood and community, mm-hmm. right? So I've put in a lot of work towards the program itself of Asian interests, right? And over the years, you learn and see so many different things. Now, my uh, back to your question, what is your question again? Was what we saw... Just a year ago with Crazy Rich Asians mm-hmm. and, and all the inclusivity that that we we started feeling like, you know, things are getting better for us. And sure. then when COVID hit, we got a lot of Asians, um, a lot of Asian Americans being attacked and, and they're going, whoa, holy crap. What, 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 what's going on? Like, I, I'm not a lot like I'm, everyone's looking at me like I'm, I'm, I'm a virus and people want to attack me and. And and now like I'm not included anymore. I'm like what 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 happened? What did I do? So the perspective that I'm getting right, and this is just my perspective, and I don't want to speak for everyone because that's it's not representative of how everyone feels, right? But from my understanding, China is a very big country. It has many many different types of dialects, people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Because it's been closed off for so long the world hasn't really been able to understand that kind of like in Italy, there's different groups of Italians, Northern and Southern or whichever, or in Chinese, there's Fujianese, Wanzhounese, Cantonese, um, people from Hong Kong, people from Taiwan, Shanghai, all these different places with all different people. Yes, they are from China, but they're different people, right? And as you have... You know, starting from over 100 years ago, you have primarily Cantonese or Toysan people coming in from China, working in the railroads or any other jobs uh, that they did. You have different people coming from different cities and towns that make up the representation of Chinese in America. And since there's different cultures coming in, they're, I guess... It's hard for them to really understand because let's just say Toysan comes in, you know, builds railroads. They have a set way of doing things. And then you have people from... I, I, I get all yeah. that. I'm, I'm not talking about China. Sure. I'm talking about the Asian American. Sure. 
experience. So it American, seems like, but like yeah. being a, uh, and, uh, nothing to do with China. I'm not mentioning China. I'm not talking about China. What it's like to be Chinese in China mm-hmm. and the diversity there sure. within among Chinese people. Sure. I understand that. Uh, I can't speak to that. Sure. Uh, but what I can speak to is what it's like being Asian in a world where we want the same things. We want the same opportunities. We want to be safe. When we walk out in the street, we don't want to be attacked. We don't want our moms attacked. We don't want our sisters attacked. We don't want our brothers attacked. And if we're going up for any type of uh, job or being accepted into education or uh, or, or entertainment or, or anything of self-perceived value, mm-hmm. we just want the opportunity to be included in that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's where we're at uh, uh, in 2020. And I feel a year ago, we started feeling we were making traction more sure. than ever mm-hmm. because there are so many people paving the way. We're, we're seeing uh, so many Asian celebrities come from YouTube mm-hmm. onto mainstream. Mm-hmm. We start seeing uh, actresses, rappers, and, and, and they're getting notoriety and a large following. But And then in 2020, once COVID hit, and it made its way here, we started seeing, hold on, what's going on? All of a sudden, uh, Asians aren't good anymore. Let's stop supporting. You know, I went to a Korean establishment uh, at the very start of uh, of COVID before mm-hmm. lockdown. And and uh, the son uh, that was working at cashier, uh, we were talking. He was like, man, no one's here. No one's coming except for other Asians. And, sure. you know, we don't have nothing to do. I mean, we're Korean. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like, what's going on? And, and he goes, the only people I'm seeing are other Asians coming to support the business. And we don't know how much longer we can stay open if this continues. And I don't think it's going to stop. It looks like it's getting worse. So, and then you look at across industries, it, it's like there's a lot of hate. Hate. There's, I mean, it's a strong word, but that's, that's what I saw. I saw hate being thrown our way. And, and we're even having a difficult time amongst Asians agreeing with how to deal with this mm-hmm. and how to approach this when, when, when it's very simple. It's hate being thrown at us, and what's wrong is wrong. Well, one can take the stance of, oh, you know what? It's wrong. You're wrong. I'm right. Which sounds, in my perspective, very divisive. I, I don't think Asians are asking... I want to be right on this argument. What they're saying is, I don't want you to hate me. Understandable. That's 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 the main point of all these Asians. When I listen to them so talk, fair. all they're saying is, dude, just stop fucking attacking me. So stop hating fair. me. Did you see the online video recently of, of uh, I think it was, in, I don't know if it was in New York City, mm-hmm. right here, but there was this, um, there's this guy, I mean a white guy attacking an Asian guy. They're about the same age, but this is the first video I've seen where they're not attacking a old man, old lady, or mm-hmm. or kids, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, a first actual video, and there's and there's a one on one. It's fair. They're not like jumping. They're, I've seen them jump Asian guys, you know. Sure. But this is a one on one. Dude goes up to him, is like, "Yo, what's up? What's up?" And and he's backing off. He's like, "Come on, man, come on!" And he's backing up for like a full New York City block. Sure. Backed up all the way to crossing the street backwards. Sure. He he wasn't even standing like his ground. He literally was like, hey, come on, man. Stop, stop. 
and the guy was just walking towards him, charging, pushing him, like, what's up? Huh, huh? Really instigating a fight sure. and violence. Yeah. And he was begging. He was like, almost begging, like, come on, man, stop. I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. Sure. Backed him up to the point where he got hit by a car. Well, he ran into a, par- a car that was stopped at a red light mm-hmm. into the street. And then, and then that's when he, he was like, oh, he was backed into a corner. They end up exchanging punches. Sure. And, the, and, the, and the, I think the white guy's wearing like flip-flops and fighting in flip-flops. That's a... That's, I mean, I've, I got in a fight with flip-flops before, and I'll tell you, it's not good, mm-hmm. right? And, and so he took off his flip-flops, and after getting jabbed a couple of times, went back, and the dude just clocked him, clocked him, knocked him out cold, lights out, and his head hits the ground, mm. bounces off the concrete. Ooh. Knocked out, slept him. Asian guy, what he does? Apologizes, picks him up, tries to wake him up. Mm picks him up and asks for strangers to help him mm-hmm. you know and that that pretty much just sums it up for me like we're we're just asking we're just asking why don't hate us you know it's, it's not even we're not even going yo equal rights we're, we're we're just saying just don't hate us don't discriminate let us do what we're doing right and then we'll talk about all the other stuff but right now we're just asking you not to hate us and that's it and then you could see, I mean, we, we move with tremendous empathy. Just culturally, we have so much empathy. We're raised to just avoid any type of confrontation conflict. Yeah. and conflict. We're, that's, our, that's within our culture, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. even when we do get backed up to a corner and we have to fight for our own safety, mm-hmm. we apologize. Mm-hmm. We apologize. That's what's that, going on. Does that make sense? Like... To be apologetic for something that you didn't you didn't cause, right? You know, you're American this, culture. No, you getting hate. It's it's stand your fucking ground. You okay. know, you have the right to shoot this person if he. But it t- it does tell a big uh, big story on how our culture, how Chinese culture is, or how Asian culture it, is. Well, I, I don't want to say Chinese culture. I want to say Asian American. Asian because I think that we're very very different from from like people in, people from people China. in Asia. Yeah, people from Asia. Is it is it fair for me to disagree? Absolutely. The reason why I say that is because look, everybody has a different point. We have we have different types of people. And I want to get your take on it because you you're you're around the community. We have we have different types of people and look, there's not one person that's going to just say, "Oh, please forgive me" after you fight him or there's going to be some people that are just going to keep punching the guy even if he's on the floor, right? It, Just to be clear, I'm not saying every Asian person is going to say, please forgive me. So, right. Roles are reverse. Right. I knock somebody the fuck out because they're cause out of self-defense. So, I'm not going to ask for forgiveness. So from for my I'm perspective. Like, you deserved yeah, it. Yeah, bitch. So, now you know what time it is. So from my perspective, you know, growing up in a high school. But I'm the, saying as a macro, that's, right. that's what I see. So coming up from a uh, high school that had 35 to 40% Asian, that didn't happen in high school. When... Um, somebody tried to be racist with us because we were so clannish in our high school, they would get punched in the face right away. And enough people that got punched in the face would realize, you know what? Don't mess with these guys because they'll come they after fight back. us. Right? So it really comes down to which type of people you're dealing with, right? Um, I do sympathize with whatever it is you're saying, but I think it, what it really comes down to is a cultural difference and how the people that are racist against us don't understand us. They don't understand the human side of us. They only see 
I'm here, you're there. But is, is that's not our responsibility as human that's beings correct. to That's to, correct. To However, it's our responsibility to understand that that's what they don't see and it's our responsibility. And I think we get that. And I think it, that's why he was apologetic as a and whole. It's, and it's Makes our sense. responsibility to learn how to work with it, right? Because we have one of two choices. We either could learn to work with it or we can fight it. And you know what? At the end of the day, we've been fighting for how long? What I want to talk about is we've been fighting for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, we have organizations that have been around for over 100 years since the um, the uh, time where the United States government even came out with laws to ban Chinese Americans or ban Chinese from coming over. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, you have to understand. But how long are we supposed to learn how to live with it? So you're going to strip of, of our freedoms and you're going to keep attacking us with, with hate. And, and I'm going, okay, I just got to learn how to live with your hate on me. Even though I understand why you hate me. And I'm just trying to understand your perspective mm-hmm. here, right? Um, I have to learn why you hate me. And I understand why you hate me because you just you just don't get it. But instead of me hating you back, mm-hmm. I have to pivot and just be more cautious. Okay. That's is very that what fair. You're, is that what Everything you're saying? Everything that you're saying is very fair. No, 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 I'm just trying to I'm just trying to put into context what you're saying and, and get a good understanding. No, because I didn't get to finish what I was gonna say. Yes, we fought back. However, after you know, the difference between when I was a freshman to when I was a senior, leaps and bounds. Everybody started understanding Asian people by the time I was a senior. Why? Because we had been more active with our Asian night and Asian culture and showing these people what we do. We weren't trying to do it to show them, but we were proud within ourselves to do this Asian night. And they saw what we were doing and they accepted the culture. So what do you what do you do in the meantime? Just continue to get abused? No, absolutely not. What you need to do. uh, One thing that I've started to realize over time since 2000 till now is that we've gotten a glimpse of, oh, we're finally being accepted. Oh, your food no longer is consistent of dogs and cats. It's actually good food now. General Tso's chicken is good. And, it's Michelin rated. Right, exactly. Go to Singapore. You know, and also we have Asian food spread out all over the U.S. right now. And we see TV shows of people traveling to Asia, eating this, trying this, trying that. So we need, so Asian, Asian Americans just need a better marketing manager. And brand manager. Is that what you're saying? No. What I'm what <laughs> so I'm trying to say so what I'm need trying to, to educate say is these people that we were we, given that we a don't... glimpse of possibly being accepted into this society. However, when COVID came around, the ugliness of racism actually comes back out. Because even though we were starting to get accepted, I was still seeing these subtle remarks that come from anybody that's racist against Asians. So it's always been there. No matter what, in this country... Absolutely. I it's think always it's always been, been there. there. Yeah. It's always Absolutely. been there. It's even, never gone even away. Even during when it was when it seemed like it was getting better. I think, I think for the most part, I think the only reason it was getting better was... I mean, the, not, I shouldn't say the only reason, but the majority, the highest percentage of the reason why it was getting better, because it was lucrative. 
to bring in Asians because they were trying to explore mm-hmm. other markets outside of America. Correct. Mm-hmm. Follow the money, right? Follow the money. So um, I do understand what you're saying. And the point that I was trying to make is I think Asian Americans have kind of lost sight of that, of, uh, of the unity that we used to have.